Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Crafts of the Draft podcast. We're back after a week off. Things happen, so we just had to take a week off, but we're back. And this will be a big episode. There is quite a lot to review, and we're moving into the business end of the season with boys playing wildcard round. The girls are approaching their last round of the home and away season before they move into finals. As usual, I'm one of your co-host Nathan Seppi, joined by my other co-host, Jonty Rousing. Jonty, where do we start? Because there's so much to talk about. How was your weekend of footy? We've seen a bit. How was it? Yeah, weekend of footy was really good. Got to see Dandenong and Tazzy's boys and girls play and also got to see the game on Sunday, the first part of a doubleheader, Eastern played Sandringham at Warrawee Park. Also heard a lot about some other talent league that went on on the weekend and we've also got some other things to run through as well that have been bubbling away in the background we'll start with the game on friday night though it was a double header yeah. we'll start with the boys games uh gwv and western GWV yeah, well, up yeah. pretty convincingly 13 16 94 to western 4 14 38 they weren't opportunistic in front of goals and it was a little bit more of a competitive contest than what the scoreboard indicates from what i've heard you've spoken to people at gwv nathan so i'll let you start with some gwv boys that stand stood out yeah, well, I did get to watch their game last week against Bendigo, and I'll start with Lockie Charleston. He's, he's coming off an eight-goal game. He only kicked two in this one, so a bit of a quieter game, and he's been playing a lot of his time. He's had, he's had a mix of midfield and forward rotation, yep. so he's, and he's been playing a bit more of that in the midfield, but been put into that forward line as a deep forward, and especially against Bendigo, he was fantastic to watch. He just kept getting everything. It was just one of those days it kept falling for him. And, and in his reward for effort, he's definitely proven he's capable of doing that and it all seemed to click, just gets in the right spot. And he's, you know, he's a goal sneak. He loves a goal and, and he was definitely really impressive. John T. Fall, he's been very inaccurate, but he gets his hands on the footy and has about six or seven scoring shots a game. I think he was 2-4 and 1-5 in games before this weekend, but he kicked 4-1 four, four, in the end and was much more clinical and impressive. Ray Sunwin, bottom major, he was rested this week, but he's been playing some really good football. Joel Frazier and George Stevens, business as usual for them. They just they collect the stats and they do so much with it. And yep. Joel Frazier, 18 touches and two goals. He's just put together such a good patch of football and he's built into that last championships game. And from there, he's been fantastic. Oscar Gorth, haven't seen as much of him as we'd probably like because he did have a really good back into the chance where he got called in late and he played that role on Jed Walter against the Allies. Looking, hopefully we will see him by the, as long as the Rebels progress and win through uh, in their first week, should see him play some more football. And then Lamont Lawal, I guess the question is whether he's playing more of that midfield time. Hasn't been playing as much. There are clubs interested in terms of seeing him in that midfield mix, but he's been playing his halfback role pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And then from a Western perspective, the couple of players that really stood out were Lockie MacArthur off halfback. So he's one who's played forward, played back, been a little bit of a tease throughout the year. We've talked quite a little bit about him because he's started really well in terms of what he was able to do in a practice match, then probably wasn't able to translate that, went to school level, absolutely blitzed it up forward, then at Western has been able to take some really good marks down back in the last few weeks, had another really strong game. So there's still a little bit of interest there, probably a little bit of surprise on Western's part that he wasn't invited to the combine, the state combine. We'll get to those invitations later, but he's one that certainly could be added with the sort of footy he's playing. And then Jovan Petrick in defence is one who has been a real important pillar for them back there and was the clear best on ground from all reports for Western on Friday night, just with 
his ability to play to his size, which is something that they've been working on. And he's pretty good at the ground as well. So he's one who's played forward in the past and has been, has his versatility has been shown off a little bit. He's also played a game for Collingwood Bear Fox, who's a 19 year old and is one to certainly keep an eye on at state league level in the coming seasons. We'll move on to the Dandenong Tassie game. The boys won another one that was a double header that we both watched. I think both of us would agree that Dandy and I probably were the better team for yeah. a lot of this game. Just weren't able to make the most of their opportunities and their territory. They ended up going down 6-11-47 to 10-9-69. Tazzy overrunning them in the second half. I think the three best players on, on the ground, from my point of view, played in Tazzy's Ford 50, them being yeah. James Leake. Heath Ellington and Kobe Ships. So James Leake and Heath Ellington probably single-handedly kept them in it in the first half, just when they were able to get forward connection. It was those two that were taking the big marks and they were kicking the goals. But a lot of the time they weren't getting that forward connection, and that's because Kobe Ship was an absolute thorn back there. He finished with nine yeah. marks in total. A lot of those would have been intercepts because he was reading it really well. His ability to be strong over the ball as well when it hit the ground was really important for the Dandenong Stingrays. So I thought he was the clear best on ground for them. And and also to touch on Ben Hopkins, who gives them real drive coming out of the back half. He got a state combine invite and is one who, yeah, has really good defensive understanding and also provides that offensive overlap. So really liked what I've seen from him in the last five or six games from Dandenong and, yeah, continue to deliver on that against the Devils. For sure. Well, Tassie wrap up. They've got minor prem. Well, they won. They've won the minor premiership in the whole league. So, congrats to them. And that's two years in a row. So, I think that's that's sort of haven't been talking about. They've done that two years in a row. So that's pretty impressive. And I know they've obviously got a full state to choose from, but still, they're you know, they're, it's an impressive feature two years in a row. And I'll, I'll add a couple more players. Ari Schoenmaker. We've we've yeah. liked watching him recently and, and his allies form suggested he would just keep bolting yep. and yep. it was pretty good and it was it's the kicking that was our like sort of question mark on the day it's like that booming uh that booming is a right or left i think left he's foot. a left footer yeah. yeah he can switch it on a 45 about 40 meters away from him and he'll hit a target but he could also miss 120 meters away so it's just sort of getting that balance right but he's, he's a really good asset when it get you know when he when he cleans it up, Cooper Simpson was really good. Played it just his his natural role, and he was back and he's been back into the swinger things. He played really well. You watched them against Murray last week, and yep. thought he translated that form really well. Cade Delarue, we're waiting on some news about him with an injury. He walked off with a moon boot. The indication is that it's a high ankle, so people breathing a sigh of relief that it's not. Yep. It's not the A, it's not an ACL. He obviously did an ACL injury, which ruled him out of the entire 2021 season. So, yeah, footy can be a cruel game, but still we're waiting absolute confirmation. And, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know when we do have news of that. For sure. So, yeah, Tassie, Tassie win the minor premiership with that. Standing on, yeah, well, look, we've got a video coming out tomorrow night. If you're listening to this on the Wednesday night, it will be out on Thursday night where we are going to go through every boys team and preview their chances going into wildcard slash final. So we'll talk more in depth there, but we'll go to the next game of that doubleheader, Sandringham and Oakley, uh, the, which this one I saw. Sandy 12, 16, 88, 15, 8, 98. Well, you can look at it two ways. Sandy were a bit inaccurate and probably let that game slip, but also Oakley. I, you, I've i instantly changed my perspective on them when you add Harvey Thomas and Finn O'Sullivan in that team. It, is, it was just... A different site, and Oakley dominated through the corridor. That's where they really hurt Sandy in the end. They were just effective on turnover, and and it was it was sort of like a Collingwood type game style where they 
they just were so efficient moving through on transition. They they hit up their forwards really well. So like I said, yeah, Harvey Thomas, four goals in the end, so impressive. When we saw him at Allies, he had a, he hit some good form at times, and it was just his productivity in the in the forward fifty. He was moving really well and allowing the entries to hit him, and it was such nice kicks for goals as well. He was really impressive. Jagger Smith, Klein and Brown, Fino Sullivan, terrific in terms of impact per possession. They were just doing exactly what they needed to. Jagger's such a clean ball user, so agile. Klein and Brown with the meters gained was really terrific along the wing. And Finno Sullivan was just another element added that Oakley have probably lacked all season with some real toughness and composure inside 50. His ability to, to hit up like inside 50, that sort of like that change in angle kick was terrific. He hit, he had a few goal assists in the end. I'll have yeah. a look at a, a few. Sorry, do, I'll throw to you. Do you want to add? I don't want to leave you there. Yeah, no, that's all right. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting from a Harvey Thomas point of view that we've seen him play all over the field. So, so I think that yeah, yeah, it's hard to say that his best footy isn't played in the Ford Fifty from everything I've heard about what he did in the Ford Fifty for Oakley. But he obviously played half back as a strong midfield for the Allies, and he's played school level in the midfield as well. But at GWS VFL level, he's played in the forward line and looked really good. So he's got that absolute versatility and he's so hard over the ball. So even though he's quite small, there's no question marks over his height. Just also one I wanted to touch on that went reasonably in this game, but last week was really impressive. He's coming off an ACL injury, long-term on the sidelines and got 41 touches. He's starting to really hit his straps. A bottom major, Patrick Freshcoat, remember the name, because yes, there's Tom Gross. Yes, there's Fino Sullivan. And yes, there's Jagger Smith. But the other one they're really excited about is Patrick Reshko, and I think he's going to hit some really good form next year once he's obviously had these games behind him, given himself some confidence and continuity, no doubt he'll have a big preseason. But, yeah, going to the Sandy boys, from all reports, Billy McGee, Gallen Birdie was one of the stronger players, and there were some others that stood up as well. Yeah, he was really good in terms of those one percenters and just courageous. He stood up when Sandy needed it. There was... You know, there was a bit of uncertainty at times in terms of just the style they wanted to play, but he put his head over the footy, went up for some really courageous marks and just used the ball well, especially on the win in in the contest. He was really good. And just one that stood out doing the little things in the end when Sandy needed it. Uh, Archer May was really good late. He nearly won the game for Sandy in terms of kicked, I think, two goals in that last quarter to put them within, I think it was 10, I will end at 10 points, but it was 10 points with about two minutes, three minutes to play. So they were still in with a shot to actually come back and win this game. Charlie Edwards was really good as well. And mm. we'll talk about him soon with the state combine invite, but two goals really, one that just stands up inside forward 50, I think kicked two very similar goals in the end with two sort of snaps. And that's his type of goal we've sort of realized, especially last week against Northern as well. And then probably the matchup of the day was Will Elliott and Ollie Murphy, which I kept track, kept sending a jaunty sort of a yes. you know, soccer score in the end. And it, it ended 4-2 to Will Elliott. I thought Elliott, Elliott was getting front position very well, like getting some distance on Ollie Murphy, which Ollie doesn't usually let that happen. But in typical Ollie Murphy fashion, he did come back and, and stop him, especially in that second and third quarter it was all Ollie Murphy he was winning the contest. And that that tells you what we've already known about his mindset. He's been terrific. He might concede a few, but then he'll stop a few. You know, he could have st- he stopped easily, you know, two or three opportunities for Will Elliott in the end. So, yeah, exciting things for Oakley. And we'll touch on that video I was talking about. They've got a 
list that could go deep. And and Sandy, there's not too many worrying signs. It's more just the system needs to be a bit more solidified to stop that transition. But I think they're in good nick still. But Absolutely. I'll throw to you for the Calder Northern game. Yeah, we'll move through the next couple of games quickly. We didn't see either of these two, but Calder beat Northern really convincingly. Probably shows that their best footy stacks up and when they're able to get on a roll, they're really hard team to stop. Calder won 14.993 to Northern at 6 13.49. It was a couple of the bottom ages who stood up. Kane Ratley, he kicked three goals. The third time he's kicked a bag of at least three goals. And Nash King, we know how important he's in the midfield 28 and the goal he had. Hugo Garcia, a state combine invitee, really good. I mean, name one who was quite strong as well from a northern perspective. Christian Ferranato, you know what you're going to get from him week after week. He got 30 again. And Will Green, the dominant ruck from Vic Metro, 30 hit out. So continue to press, press his case. Geelong and Bendigo, this one was a little bit closer. Geelong 12-11-83 to Bendigo 10-6-66. Tom Anastasopoulos kicked three goals, so he'll be hoping to recapture that form he had at the start of the season when his pace and his ability yeah. to work opposition defender over really came to the fore. Reef Page also kicked three goals after two last week, so opportunistic with his touches. And from uh, and also Tobin Murray, his work rate is something that always stands yeah. out and got a lot of the footy. So from a Bendigo point of view, Malik Gordon kicked two goals in his match back from a shoulder injury. He's one who had a little bit of interest at the start of the season and then probably fell away a little bit. So it's good to see him doing a little bit. And Toby Trevalia, who we've spoken a lot about, 20 disposals and five inside 50s. And Gippsland versus Eastern. Gippsland, probably a surprise winner in this one, 8 10, 58 to Eastern, 8 4, 52. They went down in the last quarter comeback last week, Gippsland, but they were able to beat Easton this time. Will Dawson was really good down back, a really big tick for him. The Gippsland Power also really satisfied with how Archer Reed is developing as a ruckman. We know what he's able to do taking marks inside 50. We've seen that in the last five or six weeks or so, but his ruck craft really good. He finished with 18 hitouts and complimented Lockie Smith really well, who got a lot of the ball around the ground. Tom Hanley missed this one with an ankle injury, but he's expected to return this week. From an Eastern perspective, Cody Anderson racked up a lot of the footy on the inside. And the big concern is that Cam Nyko, his good shoulder, he did do an injury. So another one that we haven't been able to confirm this week, Just, um, but we certainly will keep you updated in due course. Hopefully it's not as serious as it seemed on the day. And Caleb Windsor played his role really well. Have a look at our Instagram and our YouTube channel to catch a chat with the hard-running, hard-tackling winger. If you want to find out a little bit more about him, he's certainly one that's impressed us. But that wraps up our boys' games to review, Nathan. Yeah, it does. So I'm going to quickly touch on the ladder and then we will preview the wildcard games towards the end of this episode. So Tazzy, like we said, minor premiers. Now, look, controversial take, but they probably weren't minor premiers in terms of percentage. They did play the NT earlier in the year, and that is actually what pretty much got them first spot. But equal minor premiers, that's harsh to say. But I'm just saying we've we've criticised the NT game before that it does impact ladder percentage quite a bit, but it is what it is. They've still finished first, deservingly first. GWV equal first on 40 points. Sandy and Northern third and fourth. Calder, Easton, Geelong all on 32 points. Gippsland and Dandenong, pretty much equal percentage and equal points, which is, you know, pretty quite funny considering they're, they're right next door to each other. So that will be exciting to watch in the wild card round. Bendigo Oakley on 20, Western and Western on 16, Murray last on 12 points. They're split into Metro and Country Conferences for the wild card, which we'll touch on later. I guess 
a question for you. Any surprises in the ladder in the end that you were not expecting to finish as high as they did? I'll start. I feel like I wasn't expecting what I expected from the Rebels. They've been fantastic. In terms of a team who finished low, I mean, Oakley is the obvious one there. You don't expect them to have a season like that. Yeah, I mean, but we did know that Oakley weren't going to be strong this season. But, yeah, yeah, probably Northern have really impressed me. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Coach Anthony Rocker and his assistant coaching staff. When you look at what they've done, what they do well is the team synergy. Yes, they perhaps don't lose yeah. their top end players to private schools like your Sandys and your Oakleys. But they don't have that top-end talent to the same degree. So what they've done really well is just really instilled in the players an understanding of their role and what they need to do to get the most out of each other and showcase their weapons. They've been a good team to watch yeah. and they've been their best. And more often than not this season, they've been at their best. So they've been really impressive to watch. Dandenong, on the other hand, is a team that I would have loved to have seen one more game because when they're at their best, I really like seeing them. They use the corridor really well. And I thought the second half against Murray last week showed what they're capable of doing at their best. Just haven't been able to piece it together. Um, for long enough periods this season, but they're a threat come finals. They're a, they're a dark horse if they're able to just piece it together. We'll move though to the state combine list. So we yeah. the the list came out initially a few weeks ago, and there's been some additions to it, and we'll we'll touch on it here. Obviously, we're just going to talk about the state combine. The national combine is comprised of a lot of kids that do get a lot of attention. Naturally, they're in first second round calculations. We like to look at kids who are under the radar. So I'll throw to you first, Nathan. Do you want yep. to give me maybe three or four players that you're looking forward to seeing how they test, and, and then we'll we'll rotate from there. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go bottom to top to bottom on this list yep. we have in front of us. But Tom Anastasopoulos, loved what he's done all year. Uh, you know, maybe a bit inconsistent at times, but we saw on the weekend three goals, piecing it together at the right time. Hopefully, Geelong get at least two weeks into their, you know, two weeks of postseason matches just to give him as much exposure as possible. And I guess that's the risk in terms of this postseason. We might not see as we might not see all these players very much yep. for the rest of the season. So hoping for the best. Hugh Byrne from the Bendigo Pioneers, glad he got an invite. He's done some good things all year and he's yep. been there all year for the Pioneers. He hasn't really missed a game. I mean, he's been productive up forward. So just interesting to see how it goes. And then Lockie Charlson, equally one of my favourite small forwards, along with Tom Tom A. Excited to see how he goes because peaking at the right time, it seems. So great to see them get the invite. Absolutely. Oli Barta, one who's had some reasonable school form, just just had a little bit of a hamstring injury in opposite time, but they're playing him up forward at the moment just to showcase that versatility. There is a view that he can play forward. He's obviously shown what he can do from a defensive point of view down back, and, you know, that defensive man-on-man stuff's reasonably good. But, yeah, good to see him get the invite. Hopefully he's able to physically test Keem to see what he can do over 20 metres. Kynan Brown, one whose agility, I think, is one is a test to watch for. I've liked what he's able to do in the midfield. He's really silky. He doesn't have the physical presence, but he certainly does add a real dynamic to the midfield. And Will Brown, just want to talk about him because I've really liked what he's done all season, whether it be as a big body mid. I think he has been affected by injury. I don't think controversial take, I don't think that the recruiters have put enough emphasis on how much the injury has actually affected him throughout the championship. I've absolutely loved watching him when he's at his best. Yes, he could drive a bit more from stoppage. Yes, his ball use could clean up, but you've got to attribute that quite a lot to injury. And he can also play off half forward and his ability to kick goals when he is playing in the forward line or at least generate those opportunities is really good. So I'm surprised he's in this one, but hopefully he is able to still test reasonably, show he's got that speed off the mark in the in the 20-metre sprint in the combine. 
And then a, f- a few a few others for me. Christian Perinado, I'll be interested to see how he tests. And, and I just wonder what the interest is around him because he didn't have a lot of football at the start of the season. I personally feel like he, he'll be one that probably will have next year as well, that probably will look at mid-season. I, I just don't think he's had enough football to really put him above a lot of others, but he's been playing some impressive football. Hugo, Hugo Garcia, one you've loved watching. Yeah. Just interesting to see how he goes. And then Oscar Gorth, we saw a lot of him, like we said before, uh, at the back end of country. So I'm interested to see what the reception is with him. Keith Olington, another one, Tazzy boy, that's played some really good football lately, and he did that on the weekend as well. Yeah, I think um, from Oscar Gore's point of view, interested to see how he leaps. What does he do in the leap test? Yeah. Because I think he's really strong physically. Is he able to get up and, and show what he's able to do there? But we know tests aren't necessarily an indication of what players do on field for different reasons. Charlie Edwards from the Sandy Dragons, one that's starting to really generate interest off the back of some really strong school form. Played a really good game against Dean on Stingrays. The interest will be now how much or how well he's able to play with, with full sides in. He's been reasonable. In the last couple of weeks, you touched on his game against Oakley, against some stronger opponents with the, like we say, with the players back. But yeah, interested to see how he tests and interesting to see that he got a nomination and an invite. Uh, Ry Cantwell, one who I touched on in pre-season that a lot of people really liked. Interested to see what he does from a jumping perspective with the test because he's a he's a leading forward and he's able to take a big mark overhead, takes the ball at its highest point. And yes, he had that wrist injury at the start of the season, but since he's come back as a high half forward and as a wing, he's been really impressive. And Boston Dowling, another one who I'm interested to see is jump. Obviously a ruck, a really raw ruck. And we know that a lot of time is put in from recruiters to speak about these players and what they're able to do in the ruck because they obviously require a lot of development on lists. He's one that's still quite raw, but from a from a physical testing point of view, I think it's going to be really important what he has because he, he's going to need to leap well and, and show he's got that, I think, if he's going to get taken. And he does still have a lot of filling out to do as well. And then three I'll touch on to, fin- well, to finish my, my players that I'm most looking forward to. Harvey Thomas, like we said before, terrific and, and has probably give, given us every indication he's a, as versatile as it can get and should be taken very seriously. Cooper Trembath is one you've loved watching especially and he's been putting together some good weeks of football in terms of he's not losing his contests. Probably something that was letting him down. Like we knew he had the capacity to really be dominant in that as that halfback, fullback position and he's been doing it really consistently now. And then Riley Weatherill, his Eastern teammate up forward, we question him after this champs whether he can put together some good football, enough to get him recognised because he didn't get the opportunity in champs to, to show enough. So he's been doing that at Eastern since that champs break. Yeah, yeah, no, well summed up. Um, from my point of view, Charlie Harrop, one who I'm glad has got the invite because I think his work rate's really good. So what's he able to do in the 2 k uh, you say the same thing about Tarkin O'Leary's got the or Tarkin O'Leary has the national combining vice, so he'll get the he'll get to do the two K up. But um yeah, what Charlie Harrop's able to do, even from an agility point of view, is something that'll be real I'll be really curious about because yeah, I do I do like what he offers just as that as that sort of really good moving forward, but also someone who's able to take a mark inside fifty. Ben Hopkins, his speed off the mark is really impressive. How does he test over twenty meters? Glad he's got the recognition because I've liked what he's done. For the Dandenong Stingrays, Geordie Payne, he's really good overhead. I think he plays a little bit above his size. So what's his leap like? Kobe Ship, another one 
who I, I'm glad has got the the invite because I think he's played a lot of good footy. Lockie Smith and Billy Wilson off the mark as well. I think that 20 metres, I think he'll go sub three comfortably because he does have that good acceleration. Just to touch on some others who did get the invite, True Jack from the Gippsland Power has come on in the last few weeks. Braden LaPlante, True the Eastern Captain, Joe Pike, the Ruckman from Geelong, Ollie Poole from Bendigo, Michael Rudd from Geelong, who has played some really good footy, Oscar Smart from Bendigo, and Mahmoud Taha, whose lateral movement in the midfield is really impressive. For sure. Well, that wraps up the boys' part, and we apologise it might be a bit boys heavy this week, but we were meant to touch on the state combine last week if we had recorded, so we've had to push it back this week. But now we'll move to the girls' talent league. Review, I'll, I'll throw it for the first game on the Friday night. You saw the back end of this game, which was really close in the end and had a bit of controversy at the end, but GWV went down 3-5-23 to Western 3-7-25. Western haven't had a lot of wins this year, so it's a big win for them, especially on the road. And, yeah, big win Friday night. Yeah, controversy, by the way, of some 50-metre penalties and free kicks given away, but everything was probably... Fairly paid. The player that really stood out from a GWV point of view was bottom major Bella Davies. Her best game at the level, 36 touches and 10 tackles. So her work work rate, really impressive there. Did it both ways. Tyler Crabtree brought the big country form that she's played with back, 27 touches and five tackles. You talked about the fact she was able to do it before big country as well. So she's playing her best footy at the right time. Hopefully for her, GWV can at least win a final. Probably can't see that happening. Very unlikely. But at least we'll get to see her at least two more times with obviously the girls' season going that extra week. And then from a Western perspective, Kira Lee was the one that really stood out, 22-5. and five. She had, she really brought grunt to the Western Jets engine room. Kira Wiley, we've talked about her a lot this year. Her contest to contest running really stood out. And then down in defence, a couple of intercept markers, Ella Tyson, had 20 touches, three marks, and six rebound 50s. And then Charlotte Miller also impressed in a similar role. She's one of sev- several 2007-born players, so under-16s players that Western were running with. And she certainly represented the jumper really well. Sierra Greaves and Megan Smart, others to play quite well. And then Calder defeated Jalon 10-3-63 to 3-6-24. So it sort of poses the question with Jalon, maybe... They're a strong country team, but can they match it against the Metro teams? Yep. And that's probably been questioned a few times this year. Um, but Calder dominant. And, that, and that's great form to take into this last couple of weeks because they will 100% feature in finals. We'll touch on uh, that at the end. Um, but, yeah, Kaylee Kavanagh, uh, very strong again. And, and we've, we talked about her in a video upcoming next week where we went through Metro's top girls and performances. And, and she was definitely up there. She had 35. Chloe Baker-West. She's been fantastic and would have made the Metro side if she wasn't 15 years old, really, and didn't, yep. you know, she's that good of a player. Maddie Ford with four goals on Geelong's side. Sarah Howley, again, with 31 touches, and Chloe Adams with 29. Dandenong, this was this was a close game and, and one where probably worth a discussion here about the community break and yep. what that does to teams. But before we get to that sort of at the end, Dandenong, Got up 8-8-56 to 8-3-51 against Tassie. Really competitive, and these are two teams that could possibly meet in finals in a couple of weeks, but I'll throw to you on that one. Yeah, so Meg Robertson and Michaela Williamson stood up, as you expect them to do. They both had four-quarter games, so they were really impressive. Kayla Dalgleish kicked two really important last-quarter goals. I know she's been a bottom major you've really enjoyed watching this season. Alex Simons in the last quarter lifted in the ruck after a quieter game. 
Abby Tregalis's physicality really stood out. And Matilda Argus is one I want to touch on. She was on debut. She's a 2007-born player, so an under-16s player, who brought a lot of class in the first few quarters, first three quarters. She only had the six touches, but when she did touch it, she was really impressive and is one that they're really excited to develop. What she did in the last quarter, though, she won a really crucial one-on-two in defence just with her speed and cleanliness and was able to prevent Tassie from scoring a goal that they probably should have scored. And clearly that proved to, you know, you could argue be the difference given it was a five-point game. From a from a Tasmania point of view, the clear standout was Georgia Clark. We know how how important she can be. And she's hit the scoreboard this season, 11 disposals, a goal and 13 tackles. So she did it defensively. It's not just her silkiness, but it's her ability to work both ways. And I know I've talked about that a lot this podcast, but obviously the defensive aspect of the game, something that's really important. And um, Sophie Butterworth, the four goals. So, and she took a really important contested mark late in the game as well. So four goals, one she kicked. And yeah, we've we've spoken throughout different things about the fact that, yeah, she kicks bags at talent league level. She's kicked as many as seven goals, I think, against Bendigo. So yeah, she's one who does continue to stand up and yeah, is a is a very good player. Moving on to Sandy and Easton, which was played on the Sunday. Easton got up by two points, a little bit of uh farcical <laughs> circumstances you could say yeah. in the game yeah. with the scoreboard actually reading that it was Sandy win, but then the goals and points reading that it should have been a draw and the ultimately the result was that <laughs> One and both the goals and behinds and the actual score, which read, which neither of them added up, were correct. And yeah, Eastern won by two points. So you had Sandy celebrating, the coach is saying no, 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 because Martha Cantwell and everyone in the box knew that it wasn't a Sandy win. But uh, yeah, in the end, they, they did really well to take it up to Eastern. Eastern probably turned it on for 10 yeah. minutes, third quarter, kicked five goals, and that was the difference. And that showed that you, the team like Eastern with the class that they've got, they don't need to be at their best for the full four quarters often uh, because they've got the ability to just flick a switch. Yeah. So I guess the the two players that really impressed me in this game were Maddie Torpy. I thought her intercepting in defence was really, really strong, particularly in the first half. She took some really big in, um, intercept marks and also yeah. halved some one-on-one contests, which is really important. And Taylor McMillan, a 2007-born player in the midfield, she was quick, she was powerful, and she had her hands on the footy quite a lot. So one that we haven't spoken about or we don't know as much about, but uh, another one in the pipeline of a very strong Eastern Rangers lineup. Isla Baldwin also worth touching on. I thought she was quite lively off our board. And, and I'll, I'll touch on a couple from the Sandy perspective. Izzy Bacon, again, she was fantastic with her pressure, those second efforts, something we saw at championships level that is just translated again and she's one you, you'd love to have on your team. And then Daisy Flockhart, she's had some good moments throughout the season, probably hasn't been able to play her best football consistently, but she was really good through the middle, brought some flair, yep. had some nice moments. Yep. Probably worth touching. I mean, Sandy won't make finals, and they've had a quite a tough fixture throughout the year. And, and I can I sort of looked at the other fixtures of the top four teams, and Northern had a lot of country teams and lower metro teams. So, I mean, fixture does make a difference, but you have to beat the best to be there. But... Look, if you're Eastern Oakley, you are pretty glad that they are not in that finals round because they would have caused a bit of damage. They're in form at the moment. Yeah, just worth touching on the fact that uh, just some something to keep your mind on. We've obviously got finals coming up in a couple of weeks for the girls. Sandy playing Western in a repercharge game yep. just to give their girls just that extra game, both of those teams of footy and also... 
the Bendigo Pioneers will be taking on the um, the Gippsland Power in a rapid charge game in a couple of weeks as well. So good that they'll be able to get exposed to that extra week of footy, particularly for Bendigo, which we'll touch on in a sec, or, or we can probably move to pretty soon. Um, yeah. That they they've been sort of battered a little bit the last couple of weeks. I'm sure a game against Gippsland will be much more competitive. Allow some of their players to show their weapons. But if you want to finish off in the Eastern yeah. Sands game. Yeah, well, yeah, two, two Eastern players that caught my eye. Georgia Knight, two goals, one of her best games in a while because I feel like she hasn't been able to live up to her full potential as of late, but she has been building into some form. She was just good with her leading and her kicking. Was, she was converting. She was efficient in the end. And then Stasia Stevenson, two goals as well. She was really good. She had a yeah. really nice goal sort of on the run, and that was in that 10-minute uh, period you were talking about where Eastern kicked about five goals in a row. So... She was really good, but I'll move now to Gippsland and Northern. Gippsland one three nine to four to four six thirty for Northern, which rules out Gippsland's hopes of finals in the end. But still, some good moments from that game, Jonty. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a very difficult game. It was very wind affected, and unfortunately, the two of the goals that Gippsland conceded in a low scoring game were from fifty meter penalties. Two of the two the two first goals that Northern scored, which yeah, was a real dagger blow and unfortunate given how competitive they were and there was probably a view that they were the team that was on top in the first half just wasn't able to convert there were no goals scored in a difficult first half of footy with the wind that was blowing down at Morwell. Jazz Soden however she thrived in those conditions she played an absolute breakout game 27 touches eight clearances 18 contested possessions and a whopping 17 tackles so 18 contested possessions 17 tackles so 35 times at stoppages, she's either winning the ball first when multiple players are going for the ball, and if she's not, she's laying a tackle. So if you think about how many stoppages there are in a game, she was prominent throughout, an absolutely outstanding two-way game. And, yeah, she, she would have been knackered by the end of it. So outstanding to see her translate the form she showed for Vic Country a little bit against WA, come back and play a really good game for Gippsland. When there were some players missing, they were missing, uh, I believe, Sienna Lane, obviously missing Ash Centra, just with some local finals and different things that were going on. And, and also, obviously, Ash Centra off the back of a really strong Vic Country Championship. She just had the the week to rest before the last couple of games of the season. Ash, um, Amber Shute also ran through the midfield, had 15 disposals, and Alice Stoddart was important as a rebounder. For Northern Talia Plunkett played well in those conditions, and Holly Ridewood was quite strong as well. Lauren Jatzak gave them a real point of difference in the ruck. So they were the main players to touch on. Also worth touching on the fact that Grace Dillow, a 2008-born player, showed quite a lot and is one that Gippsland have been keen to see play. She had 11 touches and eight tackles, so justified that excitement that exists in the region around her. So real 2007-2008 talent coming through for Gippsland to get excited about alongside Ash Centra and Jazz Soden next year. So some exciting times coming up in the region, even though they were only able to secure the two wins this season up to this point. We'll move to a game that you saw a bit of and just... Yeah, it, it pains you to to see this because Bendigo and Murray, it was a composite team. Murray put some players into the Bendigo lineup to try to give their girls a bit more exposure. Alice Voss among them, and you, you can probably touch on a couple of others that played. Uh, Ashon yeah. Dane Ruck was another one from a Murray perspective. But yeah, it pains you because they they make these great sacrifices, these country teams, and they travel so far. And unfortunately. The result was a 140-point Oakley win. There's just such a class golf. So hopefully it's something that, yeah, the players don't get too bruised by because, yeah, I can't imagine how hard it would be. 23-11, 149 to 139. It'd be so difficult for them to make those sacrifices and travel so far to have that result. 
Yeah, well, look, I'm not going to touch on the Oakley girls in this, and I don't – just from what I saw, there, there is no – you don't get anything out of these games, and that's the general consensus from, you know, the Oakley people as well. It's 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 tough to play in these games. So I'm not going to touch on any of the Oakley girls because, look, in, in reality, they're not – the recruiters aren't looking at you and thinking it's an amazing to do that in that type of game. But I, I think it's really important to touch on some of these Bendigo and Murray girls that – keep performing really well under this type of pressure to do this every week. It's pretty tough, but I think it's important to touch on a few. We didn't see Bridie O'Rourke this week, yep. but we had the likes of Keely Fulton and Lila Keck for the Bendigo Pioneers who always stand up. I mean, Lila Keck, she's a terrific leader, really vocal around the the quarter time huddles where she kept getting into her girls to keep to keep going in, in tough circumstances. But she was great with her switching kicks on the day, I thought, the ability to to just change the angle in in the middle of the ground was fantastic. She was just really composed with her hands to the ground. And then Alice Voss is one I wanted to touch on for Murray. That was really impressive and that stood up under under pressure. She was playing on the half back line, really good kicks down the line to help ease transition and move the ball forward without it being halted in the middle of the ground. She just reads the ball really well when the ball was coming into their defensive 50, took some really good marks and put herself in the right position and, and, and it just really shows there is some great talent out in that Murray region and Bendigo region and yeah it's a shame it can't reflect in the scores because they're such talented players. Yeah they are and I think you touch on Bridie O'Rourke and you touch on Lila Keck they're probably a couple of girls that are going to get drafted to AFLW clubs and you've also got Keely Fullerton and Steph Demio who were part of the Vic Country squad who play really important roles I think in the region to just show girls that if you want to do it and you're from Bendigo, even though the results aren't going the way they would hope at the moment, that there is a future for you in AFLW or VFLW or footy in general if you want it to be there. They've shown that you can perform in a team that has struggled and hopefully they're the sort of storylines that the local clubs are really grasping onto in the region because when you see your, your representative team from the region getting battered by this margin, it'd be a really difficult time, no doubt, for girls in that region and clubs in that region to want to motivate them to go and play for the Pioneers and Bush Rangers and make those sacrifices. But certainly from an individual point of view, those girls have the ability to hopefully inspire others to continue to develop footy in the region. I think it's really important for both the progress and sustainability of footy, both in the Pioneers and the Bush Rangers region. The Bush Rangers, you can look at Kalia Cobson, who played in the championships as well. You talk about Alice Voss, who was good in patches for the Allies too. For sure. And, yeah, we, we hope that in the future, I mean, this happens less and less, and, and it should with the talent coming up. It's it's getting better and better each year. But that that wraps up the girls' games. We're going to do our girls' tips, and we're yep. going to preview the boys' wildcard, and we'll give a more in-depth preview with the girls next week. It's just with the boys' wildcard this week, we'll put the focus into the boys next week with the girls. So we start in the last round of the home of the way, home and away season. Dandenong and Geelong. Now, based off what Geelong we've seen with them, they struggle against the higher quality teams, but they do have quite a lot of talent in their team. So it'll be interesting. They did knock off Dandenong early in the season, but I'll, I'll go with Dandenong in this game. Yeah, and I'll go with Dandenong too. The the Rays and the Falcons contested a really high quality battle of footy in round two earlier in the season. A lot of people commented on the standard of that game. Hopefully they'll produce it again, but I think the Rays will be too strong this time. And then the second game, Western and Calder. 
Calder in terrific form, and I think they'll carry that into the first week of finals. As do I. And then on, still on the Saturday, we've got Gippsland and Murray. Not, I mean, not sure what we'll see with Murray in terms of the team they'll produce in the end, but I'm assuming it will be pretty full strength. I'm hoping it is. Yep. I'd have to lean towards Gippsland. Yeah, and I'll, I'll lean the same way. And then on this Sunday, we have Bendigo and GWV. GWV really need to win this in terms of bringing some form into the first week of finals. It, it wouldn't be the best to, to lose this one. So I think they have to win it for form. Yeah, uh, one we didn't touch on before that also had a good game for GWV is Liv Brilliant, and she's played pretty well in the yeah. last few games for them as well. So hopefully she's able to continue her good form. So GWV? GWV, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sweet. And then, and then Northern and Sandy, this is doubleheader at Kilsyth. We've got the under-17s Future Stars game in the AFL, like the AFLW, so it's a national game on the Saturday that, John, you'll see a bit of. So these talent league teams will be without their 17s. North, Northern and Sandy, look, I'm back in Sandy, and realistically, I would say Sandy should be in Northern spot. That's yeah. my opinion. I just think they've been the better team but had a harder fixture, so I think they'll get it done. I would also back the Dragons based off what I saw last week. thought they were really good. And then to finish, Eastern Oakley. This is for first place in Metro. And this has huge implications because pretty much whoever finishes second will 90% have to go through Dandenong to get through to the grand final. So, yeah, first does give you a pretty big advantage. So this is hard without 17s. I'd probably have to say Eastern. I think Oakley are impacted a bit more. And I think Eastern as well, I think they're just going to win out on talent. And that rounds out the girls tipping. Just before we do get uh, to the boys tipping, just something I wanted to touch on from a girl's point of view and something we we should touch on. We've just had a five-week break for the girls. It's the second community break they've had in their season. And there is just a a lot of talk around the league and, and it is something that people in charge and people in positions of power are aware of and they are looking to change things. It's obviously the first time the girls have had a full Coates Talent League season, so there are always going to be these little issues that came up. But one thing we've talked about is that the break just hasn't come at the right time and it's been really difficult to understand what to do, how much training to do and how to how to really approach it. Some teams have said their momentum has been stymied after the team had built up some really good form. Others have said that it's difficult because players can't actually play local. They haven't played enough for their local clubs to qualify. They've played too many Talent League games. They can't play finals. Um, other teams didn't make finals, so their their players were left a little bit stranded. And some competitions have already finished, so the girls were left without any footy for a few weeks and then have to come back and then come back for a few weeks and then have a really short off-season, which is obviously very difficult for people who are still 16, 17, 18 years old. So there are some considerations that have been given and floated, I understand, to giving the fixtures to teams earlier so that local comps can work around the Talent League fixture and plan accordingly. There's also been talk about finishing the season just a little bit earlier to extend that off-season a little bit and also just having one-week breaks here and there throughout the year where girls can go back and play a game of local footy here and there rather than having that big break later in the year. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. And I'll quickly, to wrap up the girls, with the ladder, so the top four is finalised for each conference, not the exact positions. The only positions for sure, I'll touch on in a sec, but in the Metro, the four teams who will play finals are Oakley, Eastern, Northern and Calder with positions to be finalised this weekend. Big country, Danny Nongelon, Tassie and GWV. Tassie are done in terms of they've played all their home and away games. They won't play this week. 
uh, they'll finish in third and they'll play second and then GWV will finish in fourth and they'll play first in Vic Country. Mm-hmm. So boys wildcard previews. We'll look where we've done a lot and as we said, there's a lot to talk about purely because we missed last week. So we'll keep these to about, you know, two minutes each if we can. But Calder and Easton, the first game, this is a repeat of last year's wildcard. Mm-hmm. Exact same. This is really hard to tip because I've loved watching both teams and I think both of their best, are like, you know, the big difference between the best and worst and it really will come down to who put turns it on. And Calder did that earlier in the year at Box Hill. I was at that one and I just watched Easton and probably were a little bit concerned for them. I just weren't sure if it was all going to click. Yeah. They've hit, they've, they've peaked now well i wouldn't say peaked they've hit some form definitely hit some form and the, the probably the colder touching point is do their bottom ages stand up enough their, I feel top, like ages, their top ages or their bottom ages? well I, I would say bottom ages really because yes you look at the top ages will they have enough impact with you know we've you got taha and naeem but the bottom ages have such an impact on that team that they, you know they are bottom age heavy so eastern i feel like You've got a bit more around the ground, so it's really hard to tip. Personally, yeah, you, I, I would the, like to see Calder win, but the, I, the, I'm going to tip Easton. The thing, so you tip Easton, and, and I'm probably going to lean the same way. The thing to keep in mind here is if all the favourites win in the Metro Conference, both these teams yes. progress because the highest ranked loser, yeah, as I understand. Yes, yes, you know, yeah, correct. Uh, and let's not even get stuck into how that works because yeah. I just... So, so if Northern are able to beat Oakley and Sandy are able to beat Western, then both Calder and Eastern will progress regardless of the result. Now, in terms of yeah. what I'm looking forward to seeing, I'm looking forward to seeing how Calder's forward line operates against Eastern's defence. I think Eastern have yeah. the strongest defence, arguably, on paper in the competition. Every single one of their players is either an AFL draft prospect or is probably going to be on a VFL list next year. They have Tyson Shruck, who distributes it really well out of there. They have Remy McLean, who's a good presence, who will probably be at Box Hill next year. They've got Braden LaPlanche, who's playing down there now at the moment as well. Cooper Trembath, we've touched on the fact how much we've really liked his season. And they've got some others as well. Josh Tovey, who's kicking out, out of defensive 50, is also really important. And then Calder have some really good sources to go from the midfield. They've also got Jade Newen, who's good at hitting the scoreboard. Isaac Kako, however, is missing. Uh, so that's that's a real dagger blow to them. But they've got Jordan Croft. How big an impact is he going to have? He had a really quiet game last week. Hugo Garcia will probably be playing a high half forward, so he'll hope to be able to hit the scoreboard. That's a difficult position to play, but he seems to play it really well, and they've got some others. So can Calder's forward line stack up to to Easton's back line? We, we always say it's one and lost in the midfield, but that's another battle that I'm going to be keenly having an eye on. Uh, but I, I will lean towards Easton as well. Look forward. I'm looking forward to watching that one at Mars on Saturday. And the second game of that doubleheader is Sandringham and Western. Not really a lot to talk about with this one. It's 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 Logan Morris or bust for Western in terms of their main focal point. He really yeah. does have to perform. I mean, Sandy across the ground should get this done quite comfortably if we we're going just on paper. Yeah, and if we're really stick, it's unfortunate from from Logan Morris's point of view. And even Lockie MacArthur, we say he's getting a little bit of interest as well. They're probably only going to get one final and. You know, all indications would be they're probably going to get beaten quite comprehensively. Sandringham beat uh, a Western team that had Logan Morris and had Lockie MacArthur, their two big guns in, and Jake Smith from that matter, who who's played VFL footy. Uh, 
and they were missing seven or eight of their best 22, 23 players with schoolboy footy, if not more. So the fact that they're going to be boosted even more, you'd think that Sandy should win. It'll be interesting to see how Logan Morris plays. Just, yeah, it's he's going to be his last game of the season, his last game of junior footy before he gets drafted to an AFL club. So hopefully he's able to uh, leave Calder with a bang. Again, uh, leave, this is... leave Weston with a bang. Yeah. Sorry, I just said Calder. Um, well, it's, it's odd because Sandy can't lose because if they lose, they still are through. So it's a little bit of a weird one for them. So they can uh, afford Northern, to... But if Northern lose, then... Oh, I've not. I, uh, yeah, yeah Northern this is lose. if Northern lose and Sandy lose, then Sandy are out. So there is still a little bit oh, to okay. play on. Okay. Yep. There you go. Um, and then move to the Sunday. This is the country derby, I guess, the closest one. Gippsland, Dandenong. Dandenong, I mean, I'll throw to you on this one because you, you cover these two teams for your local. You're around these two. I'll just yep. give my tip. I, uh, I'm i going upset. I'm saying Gippy do it. Yeah, so this is one that I'm really curious to see. And like we say, we always say it's one lost in the midfield. Dandenong's midfield has been really speedy in the last few weeks. They've got... Uh, Billy Wilson, who adds speed in there. Harry DiMatteo, we didn't touch on him in the in the reviews, but he had 30 touches, was really good. He's got really good acceleration. He's a good left footer. And Cooper Simpson goes through there as well. It's really, it's really speedy. And they're coming up against Gippsland's midfield, who is your typical country midfield. And they've had um, Xavier Lindsay go through there the last few weeks, and he's been really good. I do think that Dandenong, at their best, are just going to be too strong. I think their talent yeah. is going to win out in the end. Yes, we look at Gippsland and they've got Archer Reed and Zane Dersma, guys that are going to go in the top 20 or so of the draft. And perhaps you could say that Dandenong don't quite have that, but they've got some dark horses in there as well with Cooper Simpson, who's obviously been injured. Obviously got Kobe Ship in really good form as well. And they've got some good bottom ages, Harry Downton, one of them. Noel Moraz, who's been going reasonably in defence. I just think that Dandenong's depth is just that little bit stronger and they've been able to, to well both sides have been able to play as a team they haven't been lost through schoolboy footy but I think at some stage Dandenong got to get it together this season and I think that time is hopefully hopefully on the weekend because I do want to see them again following following Sunday this season. Yeah for sure and and probably should say there is no highest loser that goes through in this one because Tassie yeah. have a buy. Yes yeah. Yeah so you lose your out in this one. Like, there's no second chance for any of these teams. And that, GWB, just for what it's worth, that's because Tassie have a bye, and that's because Tassie have been put into the country conference as that seventh team. So yeah. just the, being six teams in one and seven teams in the other, that's why that has occurred. Yep. And then GWV, Murray, I think this is pretty straightforward. GWV just have too much talent compared to Murray. They're very reliant on their top-end talent to win them games. Murray are capable of an upset, but I just across four quarters they really haven't been able to string it together at all. So I'll lean pretty comfortably JWV in this one. I think what you said there's spot on across four quarters. So yeah. uh, Murray were very good in the first quarter or so against Dandenong, and I thought, geez, this this could be a real upset here. But then they're just not able to sustain it. So yeah, yeah. Connor O'Sullivan, Darcy Wilson, uh, Phoenix Gothard, Kobe James, Oscar Ryan. But outside of that, do they have enough? Are their 16 to 22 players good enough compared to JWV 16 to 22 players? I feel like. GWV, more than any other team this year, we've spoken about every player that has pretty much gone through there at some point because they've had a strong game. They don't really have a weak link. They don't have a weak area of the ground. And for that reason, I'm going to agree with you and go for the Rebels. And then Northern and Oakley in 
uh, the last Metro game of that wildcard round, Oakley have to win to make it through. So, like, they're incapable of the highest loser, I think. So, they they're pretty, they have to win yeah. or they're out. Yep. Um, this is really tough to tip because I have a bit of a different view of Oakley after what I've seen, what they did against Sandy. Yep. Their best can literally beat anyone. And I, I think they could beat Tassie, Rebels. But I do think there is a bit of a fall off from their top talent to like sort of what's after that. So really interested. It's it's an elimination final for them. So Northern System, I think, stacks up against anyone. It's really whether their talent does perform on the day. So Northern coming off a loss, this is a real danger zone. I, look, I have to s- stick with Northern because I love watching them. But an Oakley upset would not be surprising. Yeah, and I'll I'll agree with you. You've seen a lot more of Northern than what I have, but yeah, they're really impressive with the pressure they bring, and I think that they've shown Northern as well. They're able to do it against both sides. Both Northern and Oakley are coming off wins over Sandringham in the last fortnight, so that tells you they're both coming in off reasonable form. Yes, Northern probably had that off week against Calder, but yeah, I yeah. think that ability to play as a team will hold them in good stead. In some ways, I hope Oakley win because I'd love to see Harvey Thomas and these sort of players just play one more game. Yeah. But at the same time, I also want to see both Calder and Eastern progress. I, yeah, I want to see as much of these players as I can. So it's unfortunate the season's coming to an end. But yes, I'll tip Northern. Yeah. Last game, Geelong Bendigo. Very reliant Bendigo if Harley plays or not. And we're not yeah. sure if he will. Um, he had that injury against uh, Rebels a couple of weeks ago. First, I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll play. And I don't think he will. I don't know why they, they'd risk him. I don't think Bendigo, even with Harley, would be would make a deep run. I, I think they might be able to get past Jalon, but otherwise, I'm not sure they'd be able to get past Tassie or Rebels. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. Uh, Jalon should get it done. Yeah, Geelong should. They're, they've regained some boys from schoolboy footy as well, as uh, so their depth has really increased in the last few weeks. And their last game prior to schoolboy footy was a massive win over Western, which gave them a lot of depth and a lot of players to choose from. So some selection headaches there. So yeah, and yeah, just one example of a player who just really impressed me, just with a little bit of zest in side fifty, who actually ended up getting dropped just as a result of that depth, was Zakiya Davy. So if I wanted to call on someone like him, he kicked three goals. And there's players like that across every line that are just waiting for their opportunity from a Geelong point of view. So I think they they have players hungry for selection, and yeah, you're gonna it's gonna be a bit of pressure for spots. I think they'll win at least one final over Bendigo, if not if not go a little bit deeper. For sure. And that wraps up. Finally, 53 minutes, our longest ever. But like we said, we apologised last week. There wasn't any podcast. Shouldn't be that long for the rest of the season. We should probably say that like this last bit is pretty busy for both of us. So we're going to try get to as many games as we can with the boys and the girls. Mm. John D, obviously, he's got a, you've got some local footy. So we're going to try to see as much as we can and, and get as much info as we can. So bear with us and, you know, if there's games we don't get as much of, we're trying and we're going to get to as many as we can. I'll be at Mars on Saturday, John, too. You'll be at Latrobe on Sunday. So we'll see a bit of boys footy mm-hmm. on this weekend and then the girls' final start the week after. So thank you for watching. If you've watched this far, really appreciate your support. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow our socials for more, and we'll see you in the next episode.